Behind Every Lie is the Liar, Part 2, next on Polygamy. What love is this? History shows us that there have been hundreds of break-off groups from the original Mormon uh, religion that was inspired by and instituted by Joseph Smith, and new break-offs continue to take place, and often a new Mormon-based group is formed when a member of the LDS Church is excommunicated, or someone from a polygamy group decides that he needs to be a prophet. But Joseph Smith said that that things like that would not happen to God's true church. We want to quote again (laughs) what he said. Yeah, from the Times and Seasons, March of uh, 1842. If God had a church, it would not be split up into factions, and, and that if he taught one society to worship one way and administer in one set of ordinances, he would not teach another principles which were diametrically opposed. Okay, so... That's what he said. <laughs> and we quoted that in part one, and we, just to, to bring our members in remembrance, uh, that's what we are basing uh, this uh, the part, this series on, parts one and two. And this is the second of our two part, which we're uh, presenting several arguments against the claims that Mormonism is God's true religion. The first argument is that Joseph Smith himself said that God's true church would not be split up into factions, yet that's exactly what's happened to the LDS religion. And you mentioned, what, 232? In, the bo- in just one book that was printed in 1960. Yeah. And we discussed the Kingston polygamy group uh, that are continuously being caught in their own lies designed to cover up illegal activities. But the foundation of God's true church is righteousness and holiness, not deceit. And the Bible in Hebrews chapter 12 explains that God's kingdom will not and cannot be shaken. Yet all of Mormonism has and continues to lie to protect their religion because if they don't, their kingdom will be shaken. (laughs) We ended last time uh, in our discussion from the mormonthink.com website, 22 points of prevarication by Mormonism leaders. And these apply as much to polygamists as to the LDS because they are all guilty of lying for the Lord and lying to protect their religion. We ended last time with point number seven, where Joseph Smith's use of tobacco <laughs> and drinking alcohol had been covered up because of his alleged dub, uh, word of wisdom revelation. Joseph Smith himself could not pass uh, the the today's worthiness <laughs> test right. in order to enter the temple. Actually, Jesus couldn't if he had to pass their test. Oh. He wouldn't be able to pass it either because they've set their religious requirements on such a high pedestal that when they fall, it's going to be with a great big crash. Now, the next point from the website is number eight, which we quote from the link on the screen of mormonthink.com, a quote by the previous official church historian, Leonard Arrington. Six years previous to his appointment as church historian, Dr. Arrington wrote, It is unfortunate for the cause of Mormon history that the church historian's library, which is in in the possession of virtually all of the diaries of leading Mormons, has not seen fit to publish these diaries or to permit qualified historians to use them without restriction. This is from the Dialogue of Journal, a Journal of Mormon Thought in, the, in 1966. Leonard Arrington was demoted in 1982, transferred from the church historian's office to BYU because of his refreshing honesty. 
He was a threat to the faith promoting history the church insisted he support from the Deseret News in 1980. The church does not report accurate, unflattering historical facts about its origins and leaders to the membership or the world unless forced to by published disclosures of deception. <laughs> and that's happened actually quite a bit uh, recently anyway. More with the internet, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the internet has caused that to happen. Now, when honesty does come out, if it's not faith-promoting or testimony-strengthening, it's swept under the rug. In fact, those who want the truth to be made known are also themselves swept under the rug oh, yeah, or excommunicated. Yeah. Yeah. As for truth coming out in polygamy groups, they have the same history of deception as the LDS Church does. But when deceptioners are found out, the leaders lie to cover the lies, and members refuse to check it out to see if it's true or false, and so their deception does its dirty work. But Jesus said, those who are on the side of the truth, listen to him. And he said he never taught anything in secret. Actually, he blew up at the religious leaders (laughs) for their less than honest practices. He called them hypocrites, a brood of vipers, children of hell, and other meaningful adjectives. Can they really believe their lies are condoned by God? If so, they have a very odd God. Points number 9, 10, and 11 on this list concern the remaking, the retrofitting, and the revision of revised doctrine that accompanied Joseph Smith's changing theology. And you can go to the website and read them in detail. Uh, Interesting that the Mormon priesthood was created after the church was organized. Yet you can't find that information in their history. No. Someone said... We just can't trust the Mormon church with their own history, and that has proven to be true. (laughs) Number 12 fits into our discussion of deceitfulness of the Mormon religion. Mormon's official publications remove critical references to Joseph Smith's activities as a con man. Documents discovered in 1971 by Dr. Wesley Walters in Norwich, New York, verify that Joseph Smith was a glass looker, and that he was arrested, tried, and found guilty by a justice of the peace in Bainbridge, New York, in 1826 for this criminal activity. Hugh Nibley, famous dissembling LDS apologist, also stated, If this court record is authentic, it is the most damning evidence in existence against Joseph Smith. Dr. Nibley's book also states that if the authenticity of the court record could be established, it would be the most devastating blow to Smith ever delivered. End of quote on that. And this is from the Myth Makers, also taken from the Changing World of Mormonism, Chapter 4. Okay, so this has been proven to be true. And it has okay. been. The, well, they have a they have a document. They have know, the document. Absolutely document. do. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Smith was a con man, but... Do they admit it? No, they prevaricate. They they lay out um, personal attacks against those who bring out the truth, and then they spin the facts into something else. In the 1826 court proceedings, Joseph Smith confessed that for three years he used illegal activity to find treasure for other people. Now, it's interesting that to find treasure, Joseph Smith would sometimes place a a small rock into his hat, and then he would fit his face into the opening and read from the rock, which is exactly the same way that he got the text for the Book of Mormon. 
This alone undermines the credibility of Mormonism's founder and his prophetic claims. And the LDS Church itself will not supply the details of many of Joseph Smith's early and questionable activities. We know that the religion Joseph Smith established continues to revere him as founder and prophet, but remember that all the Mormon apologists and polygamists hold him in high esteem as the LDS do. That's pretty high. It really is. Yet actually, actual history reveals him as a scoundrel. The next few points on his list concern the Book of Mormon, how it was translated, <laughs> the tools that were or weren't used, and the testimonies of the witnesses. We've discussed these problems in, in previous programs, so we won't cover the yeah. details again. However, the church was has not come clean with the truth of it all. The polygamists also continue to cling to the rhetorical propaganda. The main church has spun, so there continues to be hiding of the truth and sustaining deceit by Mormon leaders. And with those comments, we quote from point number 19. The LDS Church misrepresents the method by which Joseph Smith authored the Book of Mormon. Quite unlike the explanations and images offered to members in official church publications, Joseph Smith never had gold plates in view when translating, nor did he use an Old Testament instrument called the Urim and Thummim, again from Changing World of Mormonism, page 84. And like we mentioned earlier, he just put a rock in the hat and then put his face in it, and That's the right. rock supposedly glow glowed with the words he was supposed to write down. But the church finally admitted that and even produced a picture of the rock that they had had in their vault. Yeah, I think it, they got they they had to <laughs> came to that point. Came yeah, that where point. they had to come had to they had it. to come clean. But th that isn't translating. That's conjuring, <laughs> and is condemned by God. Yeah. Uh, is prohibited by God. And this takes us to point number. 20, which should be deeply concerning to anyone with a desire for discernment, we quote. Hmm. Smith's translation method was the same he used to con people into believing he could locate subterranean treasure. He put his favorite magic rock in a hat, pulled the hat over his face, and rested his elbows on his knees to read the English words and sentences, old English, by the way, yeah. <laughs> words and sentences that God placed on the stone, according to Smith's faithful scribes. These faithful scribes said the imaginary plates were never in view in the same room or often never in the house when Smith was translating. <laughs> And, you know, there are sources for, those, for that statement, yes. and they're on the screen. Uh, Emma Smith, uh, the Saints Herald, which was a, a Mormon mag, uh, newspaper, Martin Harris, David Whitmer, and, of course, Grant Palmer, who was part of the CES for years and years. Uh, and four people on that list, by the way, were eyewitnesses, yes. right? And, of course, they should be listened to. Not only did Joseph Smith con people out of money to look for hidden treasure, buried treasure, um, which he never found unless he planted it in advance. He planted a treasure in advance and then would mm. go there and dig it up for them. And besides all of that, he has conned millions and millions of Mormons and polygamists to believe God gave him the Book of Mormon on, God, on gold plates, but it was a con. Yeah. It was a defraud. It was a bunco, as they called it. Gold plates weren't even there. They're never to be seen except by the eye of faith. And they were never in the same room where Smith, Smith was doing his translating work. And every, every, every witness says that they were always covered, so they never did see them at all. Right. 
And huge sections, by the way, of the King James Bible make up a big percentage of the Book of Mormon text. Yeah. Even the errors of the King James translators show up in the plagiarized parts of the Book of Mormon. Does God make mistakes over and over again? <laughs> yeah, Mormonism deceives its members by not allowing them to know the truth of all these details. Well, let's go to number mm -hmm. 22 on the list. This is... This is the church suppressed damaging information that a general authority considered to be the church's foremost expert on the Book of Mormon admitted that Joseph Smith had the resources, imagination, and ability to author the Book of Mormon. That's B.H. Roberts. An LDS general authority from the Council of Seventy doubted that the Book of Mormon is a translation of ancient scripture. After researching troubling questions, Elder Roberts uncovered extensive evidence that Joseph Smith borrowed the basic plot and many details from other books. This evidence, long suppressed because it's considered harmful to the Mormon Church, is presented in detail in three essays by Roberts, now published as Studies of the Book of Mormon, Signature Books, 1992, in Salt Lake. Now, this was a faithful believing member of the LDS Church who discovered yeah. these and admitted it was true. And I have heard, and, and maybe you've said it yourself, I don't know, maybe you've heard many, many people say it, that the Book of Mormon had to be a supernatural result of God's revelations because Joseph Smith was just a poor little farm boy and he was he was dumb. He didn't know enough. He couldn't have done that because he yeah, wasn't... That's the story. He was uneducated and, and couldn't have known to have done it. And yet he himself, Robert says, he could have. He had enough information yeah, and, he could have. And he wrote enough letters to other people, Oliver Cowdery, and Emma Smith, jo Joseph Smith did, uh -huh. proving that he had uh, some writing ability for sure. Exactly. And he also had a great imagination, right. apparently from right. his mother's telling that he... And he writes in biblical story. language, so he had the Bible as his tutor for that, right. you know, how to yeah. write in biblical language. Yeah. So he, that's what he did. Well, and yeah, this was one of the books... Um, when I first started studying seriously, I read the uh, Grant Palmer book mm -hmm. because he was a CES director. Right. And I also read this B.H. Roberts book, and he was asked these questions. I guess the church was actually asked these questions in a letter, and they turned the questions, five or six questions, over to B.H. Roberts for him mm -hmm. to investigate about, mm -hmm. about horses and silk and steel and all these questions. And by the time he got through it, um, he never left the church, but I'm sure he had some serious doubts about the Book of Mormon. Yeah, he did, and, and it makes you wonder why he would stay with a church that has yeah. lied about their history and their beginnings. And of course, what concerns us and con should concern every listener and every viewer who embraces the Mormon religion in its many forms is that your eternity is at stake, and eternity is a very, very long time. Someone said, life is short, make the best of it, but eternity is long, make the best plans for it. Why should you, why should anyone trust their eternity on a religion that has a history of deceit and teaches lying for the Lord is okay? That, then the author of this article lists deceptions uh, that they have used to 
protect the practice of polygamy. Polygamy, which is a whole other layer. Of it's a whole other layer. For the Lord. <laughs> right, exactly. In fact, his list is numbered from 23. We did 1 through 22, and his list is numbered from 23 to 124. <laughs> That's 101 separate deceptions by Mormonism, the leaders of Mormonism, to hide the truth about polygamy. These deceptions are purposeful. They're not random, and they're not just, oh, I made a an error. And our purpose is to bring biblical truths to bear against the falseness of the Mormon religion because your eternity should count to you as being more valuable than your membership in any of the many Mormon religious orders. Obviously, we can't cover all 101 points yeah. that he makes on his list, so we're going to pick and choose some important information that polygamists and the LDS should seriously consider. God is pleased, by the way, when people check out what they've been taught about him, and of course, using authentic sources as their guide. Number 25 on his list of deceptions to hide polygamy is this. This is also from mormonthink.com. Joseph Smith institutionalized the practice of lying so church leaders could deny the practice of taking multiple wives and keep Smith out of legal trouble. Sober-faced lies permitted leaders to deceive with a clear conscience, believing that God permitted and even encouraged lying to protect the principle of plural marriage. An article from the 1886 Desert News listed the code words and the rationale for their use. When accused of practicing, quote, polygamy, Joseph and Hiram denied it because it was different than celestial marriage and a plurality of wives. Polygamy was, after all, a doctrine of man and the devil. Celestial marriage was different, Smith reasoned, because it was a holy doctrine revealed by God. Joseph wanted followers to believe that the two terms were completely dissimilar. Other code words were eternal marriage, the divine order of marriage, holy order of marriage, living up to your privileges, new and everlasting covenant, and a different view of things. <laughs> a different <laughs> like that view one. of things covers it all, covers doesn't it? it? All. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've discussed this, this very behavior in the past again through the years, through yeah. different programs, uh, and, and making the code words for polygamy, uh, and then denying it if, if the code words aren't invoked. And if you are not the right words, <laughs> oh, you right. can... Um, but somebody said even when they used the right words, they denied it. So uh. all the way around, it's not good. Uh, people can easily be tricked. But you know what? God isn't tricked. And he knows and he knows all of the lies, the cheating and the deceit inherent of all of Mormonism. And this is what he says about lies. <laughs> From Numbers 32, 33, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Hmm. From Psalms 90, verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. So God sees the secret sins. He, he sees the lies. He, he sees does. it all. And he's not tricked ever. God knows. And judgment day does come for everyone. Now we want to quote Next point poem. number 27. Contrary to the traditional LDS claim that the first wife had to first give her consent in order for her husband to take another wife, Emma Smith was unaware of nearly all of Joseph's marriages to other women. And, you know, the law of Sarah was in the section 132. So yeah. Joseph Smith himself wrote it down. 
Um, now, the in, early Mormon polygamists called it the law of Sarah, and that's what they call it today in the polygamy groups. Yeah. Now, Emma was suspicious of her husband's sexual activities. After all, she did see firsthand uh, the business between uh, uh, he, Joseph Smith and Fanny Alger in the barn, but she didn't know the extent of Joseph Smith's adulteries, nor did she have a clue that uh, he actually took so many, many women for plural wives. Many times the law of Sarah, which they claim was from God, was not observed, both then and now. And when it is, the first wife play, must place her husband's hand into the hand of another woman coming into their marriage. It is a particularly painful mm. and miserable experience for her, something a loving God would never, ever command. Do Next, they do that in the Kingston? They do Kingston that in all the polygamous marriages. They put, your, they put their hand. As yeah. though you're accepting this woman as part of the family. You're agreeing to it, yeah. yeah. You're doing what they said Hagar, uh, Sarah did with Abraham with Hagar, and Hagar. Yeah. Right. So the next point? Uh-huh. Point number 33. Joseph Smith circulated false, lurid stories designed to blacken the character of others he considered enemies. Lies and character assassination convinced gullible members that Smith's character was unimpeachable and rumors of his adultery were unfounded. In an article in the church publication, Messenger and Advocate, from June of 1845, Sidney Rigdon acknowledged that Party P. Pratt advised church leaders how to support Smith and advised that we must lie to support Brother Joseph. It is our duty to do so. Not something. Yeah. He come right out and said it. Yeah, he did. And 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 again, in the past, we've done shows where where we uh, in, showed the individual women that quoted the the yeah. proposal, the <laughs> illegal proposals he made to them, and their refusal. And then he, uh, Sarah Pratt, and and Nancy, <laughs> uh, and, and I can't think of her last name right now. But anyway, he did this to men and women both against ladies who refused his marriage proposals, against married women who said no to spiritual wifery, and to men who objected to his proposing to their marriage, married to their wives while they were away on Mormon <laughs> missions. Now, if anyone said anything about his secret plural marriage proposals, he would threaten to ruin their reputation with character assassination, and he did do that several times. Point number 41. Yes, uh, Joseph Smith persuaded some women and girls to marry him by convincing him, convincing them that he had been commanded by an angel with a drawn sword to take multiple wives. Joseph was commanded to take more wives, and he waited until an angel with a drawn sword stood before him and declared that if he longer, that if he longer delayed fulfilling that command, he would slay him. What's interesting about that is when he did that, he already was a polygamist. You know, he had already taken plural wives, but the woman that he was trying to coerce would not have known that. And the worst of all the worsts is that Joseph Smith invoked God's name exactly, or, or his angels to help him do his dirty work of coercing young girls into polygamy. And that certainly is in the category of God's command, not to profane his name, not to take his name in vain. Yeah, it would have been one thing for him to just be a, not pedophile, but a a, a person that was out yeah. messing around. Right. But to do it in God's name is... is in fact, that's why we do this, is because he did do it in God's yes, name. That's right. So that we can, you know, yeah. do what the Lord told us to do and contend for the truth. 
Now that was point number 41, and that's not, of course, not even halfway through his list of 101 deceptions by the early LDS to protect the practice of polygamy. And you can read them all yourself on the website link that we put on the screen several times, and you may disagree. In fact, if you're LDS or a polygamist, you will disagree. But with so many individual points and historical references uh, to each point on the list, isn't your eternity worth checking it out? God never expects you or anyone else to strive to get to heaven on a foundation of deceptions or blind faith. Jesus said the blind lead the blind, and they both will fall into a pit or, or the, the ditch, he said. Um, you can, the, it's more easily, more, it, you can lead a blind person more easily. You know, yes. when, uh-huh. when they don't look around to see what That's they're being right. taught. And, and if, they, if their faith is based on feelings or blind faith, it's easy to deceive them. But that's not God's way. And Jesus said that in the end, they will both fall away. Now, we're out of time. We're going to visit this again in a future program because these points are well worth discussing mm-hmm. and bringing up again. There's more than 50 deceptions left. Um, But God's true kingdom, keep in mind that God's true kingdom cannot and will not be shaken. And God doesn't keep his kingdom safe and secure because his people are using deception to protect it. The Kingstons, the group, the FLDS, and all the many other polygamy groups that rely on deception and manufacture doctrine to hold their people will fail. They claim to follow Jesus, but they don't believe what he taught. And Jesus said, they will fall. We quote. From Matthew chapter 7, verses 26 through 29. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was one for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Mormonism is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. It really is. And someday it will fall and it great will be his fall, Jesus said. All their prophets teach and the people listen without biblical discernment. But when Jesus taught, it was with the authority of God. And we do this in the prayerful hope that those in Mormonism will listen to Jesus and find one place where he taught Joseph Smith's polygamy. (laughs) Not there. (laughs) I know. And, you know, we've made this this challenge through the years and nobody's ever come up with a place where he did teach it. He didn't. He sure didn't. Thank you, Earl. We'll do this again. (laughs) It is very fascinating. And thank God he showed us the truth. I just thank him all the time he did. You know, Mormonism, including the polygamy groups, promise many benefits to the person who will follow their doctrines of priesthood, prophet, polygamy, eternal family, temple work, and so on. But any benefit that they promise from their teachings are actually found in Jesus Christ alone, through His grace alone. Jesus came to fulfill the requirements of the law, so you don't have to. He did it for you. So you're not required to march to any religious law. Just trust in and cling to and embrace and believe and follow Jesus alone. That's all you are required to do. 
people say, well, that's too easy. Something as wonderful as heaven must be earned. We must make ourselves worthy. But God's ways are higher than ours. And when you think with human logic, you're not thinking the things of God. The New Testament message is all about trusting what Jesus has done for you, not what you are required to do for Him. That's love and grace. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.